Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Kells, episode 524, coming to you on the 6th of November. And for those of you that have listened to the show for any period of time, you know that usually I do something in reference to the 5th of November. So what is entirely interesting to me is two things. One, the uh, 5th of November, Guy Fawkes Day, if you will, was, for lack of a better phrase, sectarian violence trying to overthrow uh, the king or actually destroy the parliament, you know, between the Catholics and the Protestants. Uh, I got to say, I'm agnostic as to which uh, option would have been better. Uh, England's gone back and forth a number of times, and it's usually bloody. So that being said, when they decided to make a graphic novel and the, use the tie, or you know use the Guy Fox mask as a plot point, if you will, in V for Vendetta, uh, it was interesting. And I know that lots of people have different visions on this, and I'm not going to talk about any of that. The thing that interests me the most is it was originally scheduled to be put out on November the 4th, 2005, which would have been the day before the 400th anniversary of that event. Of course, it didn't come out until March 2006, and when it did come out, I saw it not once, but twice in the theaters. And at the time, it didn't cost an arm and a leg to go to the theater, and it was definitely worth the time to go see. Now, in both instances... The uh, additional information in the story that's supposed to kind of round out and prove out the characters, um, I guess it'd be fair to say the movie dwelt a little bit more on it than I would have cared for. Uh, the comic didn't shy away from it, uh, but when you see what the Wachowski or whatever brothers did to themselves since then, it kind of makes a little more sense. Again, without, uh, no, I, so the, the graphic novel, you know, Alan Moore, and I forgot what the other guy's name is here. Let me make sure that I get it correct here. David Lloyd, and I guess, uh, Tony Ware were involved in this. <clears throat> the idea was they were really scared of Thatcher. Right, They had this whole Thatcherite thing going on in the early 80s, and it was kind of written as a response to it, but it was dealing with the idea of a fascist versus an anarchist view of going forward. Uh, not sure that Alan Moore would even necessarily agree with what the outcome was of that time period. In other words, what he predicted versus what actually happened. I, th I think he might have some interesting views on that, but... The guy's a bit of a mm, odd duck, probably never ever going to uh, talk to the likes of me, which is fine because I'm small potatoes, as we all know. So I'm going to have to go out on a limb here because I have seen him interviewed in the past and I have seen him kind of lament and complain about some of the adaptations of his graphic novels. I know he wasn't happy with the Watchmen. Um, I guess the Watchmen he was less unhappy about. I, I don't know. No, it was actually the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that he was very disappointed with. And, and to be honest... The best part about that movie was Sean Connery. 
<laughs> um, and it was, it was a shame. It was a shame that it had tons of potential, but why am I, why am I talking about this one? Because it's fun. It's fun when the 5th of November rolls around and you get to have a topic that relates to it Two, the imagery and the projection that the graphic novel puts on fascists. And I'll say that right of center fascism, right? is ironic being that quite frankly, it's always been the left of center people, the communists, the progressives that have been far more tilted into doing this kind of behavior. Now they were using the context of it was like a reincarnation or a rebirth of the way fascism was developed in Germany, right? The whole Nazi situation. Oh, I said the word, uh, well, they'll probably demonetize. Well, wait, I don't get any money. Well, they'll probably just throttle this show back. <laughs> Never mind. In any case, they they tweaked it in their in their presentation in the movie even more so, and made a bigger issue of the sexuality of characters. That I'm not sure if it was absolutely necessary, but in fairness, I don't think it ruined the movie. It, it did kind of yeah. That being said. Why do I bring this up? Why does this matter? Well, for two reasons. One uh, is my opinion that the the bad guys, if you will, and in fairness, Alan Moore indicates that he was trying to be more morally ambiguous, right? He leave that moral ambiguity in his graphic novel, not necessarily choosing sides, right? The one the one side was fascism, which nobody really wants, and the other side would be complete anarchy, which I suppose even he wasn't necessarily fully on board with. But in the context of the movie, they made it right versus left. More or less. And while that's, you know, what you do in American movies, it kind of hurt it, if you will, in my opinion. It made it less morally ambiguous, more um, politically charged, actually. And in fairness, I think they did what they did as fallout to 9-11. And I can understand that because after the Patriot Act was passed... There were people like me that are, I'm definitely right of center, that warned and told people, this is a bad idea. You're not going to like the outcome. Maybe you think the world of George Bush now, but even if you do, and even if you absolutely trust him, do you really want the person that follows him to have this power? And again, this is stuff, and these are themes that I've hit on time to time since I've started this podcast. So what we want to focus on for today's purposes, right, the the interest or the reason why I'm bringing this up on the 6th of November is it's not lost on me that the thing that they brought up in the movie that started it and actually in the graphic novel as well is it was a virus that then they found out actually was released, if not directly by their own government, as a... Um, they went along with it to bring a specific outcome. Now we can't say for certain how, what happened over the last three years happened, but what we can say is it's quite obvious that it was a crisis 
that was seized upon by those in power to strip away more liberty, strip away more freedom, and quite frankly, to magnify the power of both the federal government and its agencies. And it should be clear to you by now that the goal was never as simple or as easy to understand as what one might think. Yes, they did impose their lockdowns. Yes, they did impose the medical treatment and the covering that was allegedly going to make you safer. The evidence suggests just the opposite at this point, but again, not a doctor, not a statistician, though I can read statistics. Uh, It is profoundly disappointing that we didn't do better. It was this massive test on a large scale and we failed in my opinion. Now, and I'm not the only person to think this or even say this. It's just, I'm piling on. Why? Because if they did it once, they're going to do it again. And again, what's disappointing to me is all of this was more or less projected by people generally left of center on the people right of center when in fact, it largely has been those people left of center, the progressives, hmm? the socialists, the leftists that have been in complete lockstep on how they need to curtail everybody's ability to do anything because it's quote for your own good. Now, I know there's a C.S. Lewis quote that talks about the idea that no tyranny is worse than the moral do-gooders that think that they're making you do something for, quote, your own good. And and I'm paraphrasing it because I don't remember what it is off the top of my head. I'm curious, though. Those of you that are still listening to me, you know, we're, I don't know, closing in on 550 episodes, depending on how you count them. Are you at least a little bit curious why there hasn't been a significant pushback? Aren't you aren't you a little concerned that the so-called Republican right that retook the Congress has done nothing? Now, the great wet red wave that fizzled, whose fault is that? Well, I mean, they would like to say it was because of the abortion uh, situation getting changed up courtesy of the Supreme Court finally realizing there's limitations on what they can do and that there are state issues. Okay, fine. I'll I'll give you that if that's what you want to point to. And and there's evidence to suggest there's something there. But let me ask you this. What's played out in the last, I don't know, several, uh, I guess it's two, three months now in Congress. Does it really surprise you? I mean, and don't look any further than our own state of Texas, right? We have everything with a bunch of guys with R's after their name, and they're going to run out the clock on the third special session and still not do anything about the schools. And then they're going to come home and say they ran out of time when they took a, oh, I don't know, several five-day weekends. And as far as I can tell, this last one was a six-day weekend, which apparently they're not legally supposed to be able to do without... Mm, agreement from the Senate, but again, when criminals make all the laws, anyone that fights them fights a just cause. Where have you heard that before? You should go look up that. I'm curious, at what point do we start to do something, say something, 
act out, push back, do something. We the people have the power. We have the authority. And these guys just do whatever they want, both at the federal level and particularly at the state level. So drifting back to the whole idea of, you know, both the graphic novel and the movie, the idea was the people in charge have overstepped. The people in charge have stripped away freedom and liberty. The people in charge have an abusive government in place, and it was built on a, I guess the the proper term would be false flag. Um, unfortunately, that term has been used and abused, and most people don't even fully understand what it is. So I will give you just a brief synopsis of the proper understanding of a false flag. Something real happened and that people were killed or died, but how it happened and why it happened were constructed in such a way as to tell a story that was not the truth. So you can have a false flag and there's real consequences, but the story and the why behind it are never the truth. And it's the same problem we have with pretty much anything that we get from our government and the major media is it's all propaganda. So we really never know the truth. One of the uh, bloggers that I've been reading for years, his uh, one of his key points is whatever the official story is, you can almost assuredly know that it is not the truth. I mean, he might be a little more direct than that, but... For the purposes of this discussion, what you're being told, the official narrative, is not the truth, or at least not the full truth. So what are you what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to understand? Well, in the in the movie more so than anything else, they took over the media and put out a message or two, and they got word out and they were able to start a counter revolution, for lack of a better term. I'm not advocating that that's the best solution. But what I am advocating is there is seems to be a lack of understanding that when we're allowing ourselves to be pushed into the approved right-wing media, right? We're putting ourselves into that bubble. We're not getting an opportunity to speak to those people that are predisposed One, to disagree with us, and two, to be displeased with us, and three, distrust us. Now, I don't claim to have every answer, and I don't certainly claim to know everything, but what I do know is a committed minority that works tirelessly to achieve their goals can ultimately be successful. And if you doubt me, just look at what's happened in our country over the last hundred years. Or actually, I guess it's 110 years. Do you think anybody back in 1912 would have ever predicted this outcome, this dystopian situation that we live in? Now, look, we don't necessarily have Big Brother as defined in 1984 in our lives. I would say we've got Little Brother. Every piece of electronic equipment in your home that's quote-unquote smart essentially has the ability to spy on you in more ways than one. I have two Apple iPhones. I'm very much aware that pretty much anything I say or do can be 
recorded, or tracked. Now, I don't advocate criminal things. I don't advocate stupid things. But that doesn't mean that I can't be caught on something for somewhere down the line to be used against me. It doesn't mean that (laughs) charges couldn't be, quote, trumped up against me at some point in the future. But again, I'm a very small fry, right? Nobody cares about what Callis is doing, certainly at the federal level. Maybe, maybe I'm on a blip on somebody's radar down in Austin. I highly doubt it. I, I know I'm a pebble in the shoe of some of the leaders in my city, perhaps even in my county. That's by design. I try and stay hyper-focused on what's going on out my back door, what's going on in my county. And again, I'm blessed. I live in a good county. We have good leadership at the county level. We have lots of problems at the municipal level. Is it the end of the world? No. Is it terrible? No. Is it a modern dystopia? No. But if you go just 30 miles south of me, there's Dallas. And honestly, at this point, it'd almost be fair to say that Dallas has turned into a dystopia. Not full on yet, but it's close. I mean, criminals don't get prosecuted, but people that want to operate a salon do. I I just, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but, but Dallas used to be nominally conservative, nominally red even. I mean, and that's, I really hate the term red. I, I was a child of the eighties and the term red is commie. <laughs> so every time my Republican friends talk about, we got to keep it red, we got to keep it red. I'm just, it just. The cognitive, the cognitive dissidence rings in my head. <laughs> I'm not sure why we'd be proud of being red. I always remember, you know, the, the lefties would say better, better red than dead. And of course, the hardcore right people would say, oh, better, better dead than red. Okay, fine. I don't want to be either. I don't want to be dead. I don't want to be red. But in... The modern world we live in, apparently now red means conservative or Republican. It's a it's a color association that is inverted. Funny how that works. So many things get inverted. Good is evil. Evil is good. I, I'm wondering if this is along the same lines. Don't know. So again, returning back to the theme of the movie, right? We have... Everything being tracked, everything can be observed, everything is watched, and that's what we're living in right now. Maybe not to the same extent. We don't have fingermen rolling around yet. But let me ask you, do you think that there is equity? Do you think that there is equity under the law? I guess is how I should really phrase that. Do you believe that there is a general fairness in what's going on? Has it you know, escaped you that there was a riot in a break-in at the Capitol and nothing happened. And those people were pro-Hamas, essentially. Whereas the people that are pro-Trump are still being hunted down. Now, again, this is a federal level thing, but how it affects us here in Texas is they're arresting people in Texas for something that happened over two years ago. And people really technically did nothing that justifies that. A misdemeanor? Is now a federal offense? Come on, give me a break. 
This is the upside down clown world, fake world that we live in. Now, I had read the Boniface option a couple months ago, and I gave my book out to somebody else, and I intended on doing a review on it. And I honestly, if the with my life the last couple of weeks, I may have actually already done a show in part about it, but I want to go back and revisit it because there's lots of things that need to be understood. He called it trash world. And again, when we're looking at what was predicted, what was projected by Alan Moore and the crew when they wrote the graphic novel, when it was adapted into a movie, all these things were a result of big bad government, but big bad government basically on the right side of the equation. When in fact, if you look historically, the people on the left side of the equation have been far worse and had far more abuses and far more <laughs> bad long-term events or effects to the people that actually lived in those states, those countries. They promise everything, but they can't deliver. Now, I've decided I will probably never, ever go to the Northeast. It's beautiful country. And, you know, I'm a fan of the Free State Project and what they're trying to do in New Hampshire. I think Maine would be awesome in many ways. But when you have to deal with the fact that Vermont is run by a bunch of hippies, you got to deal with the fact that Massachusetts is there, which is a bunch of crazy progressive leftists. And then just a little while over is New York. Now, New York State, I mean, if you were to lop off, you know, the city of New York, Manhattan Island, and the surrounding area, it would probably be a center-right state. I, I know the rest of the state isn't enthusiastic about having to deal with that. The same thing could be said about Texas at this point. I mean, really, should we just go ahead and excise large portions of uh, the metropolitan areas? Just make Houston its own little entity, lop it off. I mean, we could encourage a large chunk of people from Dallas to go emigrate to Houston. They'll be much happier there. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to deal with the hurricanes, but you can do the full-on leftist thing there, and we'll leave you, leave you alone. We'll, we'll set it up as a protectorate when we create the new Republic of Texas. I mean, there's so many ways we could deal with this. The reality is... even though they missed the boat, right? V for Vendetta, both the, the graphic novel and the movie, placed the blame ultimately on we the people. They, they said that it was complacency. They said that it was misplaced trust. They said it was the fact that they didn't know any better. That's my interpretation. And they, they let government step up and do the very things that hurt them the most. And they were motivated by fear. They were motivated by hatred. Now, in the movie, they spent more time talking about the fact that they were dealing with Islam. And that shouldn't be lost on you. I mean, if you've been paying attention to anything that's going on in Europe, and I know this is not directly related to Texas, but it is. Because if you're paying attention to what's going on in Texas, especially Collin County, we're probably not far behind. But Paris is a mess. London is a mess. Germany has problems. The, the the countries that we love to hate, which would be Poland and Hungary, 
they've largely missed out on these issues because they said, yeah, we're going to take a pass on those folks coming here from the Middle East. Now, maybe uh, Norway, Sweden, and um, Finland, and Denmark, for that matter, are starting to figure out that they made a critical error, right? That they wanted the bodies, they wanted the cheap labor, and now they're having to deal with the consequences. And it's not going over too well. I don't relish the idea of another reconquista in Europe. But at this point, when you keep letting your enemies come in and essentially take over your country by mass migration, that gets kind of scary. And then when you look at what's going on in Texas with what they're doing, I ask you, have you considered that we're not being manipulated? I mean, look, the vast majority of the people that are coming here, they're from South, Central, and Mexico, Americas, right? They're they're not the they're not the giant threat that some would make them out to be, but along with them are jihadis. Along with them are, you know, cartel members. Along with them are a lot of bad actors. And it's really challenging to f- find them when they're just flooding across. And you can blame the state of Texas as much as you could blame the federal government. Neither one of them is doing their jobs. They're not looking out for their people. They're not protecting the border. They're not doing what needs to be done. But on the flip side, could it be that this is part of the manipulation to force the hand, to make us, we the people, react in a way that we create our own dystopia? That we want a lockdown, that we want an oppressive government investigating everybody that are that is coming in or is here, and that we want to make it difficult to protest or do anything. Now, most folks won't put these two things together. Most folks won't see that for what it is. But I'm curious, at some point, do you not wake up that, hey, there's a game afoot here and we're behind? The general idea, and one of the reasons why I enjoy dystopian novels, dystopian graphic novels, and movies, is it gives me ideas of what they're wanting to do, or what they fear that people like me would want to do, which is crazy, because I'm not in favor of any of that stuff, but that's what they perceive us. That's what they're projecting on us. And I think they project it on us because they themselves know that they want that stuff, that they want to do those things. They may not come out and say it. They may not admit it to themselves even. But I think psychologically, all those people that put forth all this material and blaming the right of center, blaming people they don't like as being guilty of these things, these are the very things that they want to do. These are the solutions that they're going to implement. In the lessons learned from all these various dystopian novels and movies and graphic novels for that matter, is to stop it when it begins, to push back when you have an opportunity. Because once it gets going and once it gets applied, it's near impossible to adequately fight back. It's near impossible to recover that which is lost. I mean, just look at the real life history 
of so many countries and all the devastation that was brought upon them by the terrible governments that they allowed to take place. Some in reaction to bad things and some in counter-reaction to other bad things. I imagine if you look at the history of Russia, you'll see that it was probably never a pleasant place to live unless you were in the aristocracy. But I would tell you that I think it's also very fair to say that it was not any better once the communists took over, once that civil war was over and the purges began and Holdemore and all these other various things that happened under the guise of improving things. And they're going to, you know, lie and tell you, well, that's not real communism. That's not real Marxism. That's not real socialism. Okay. So my question is, is when do we get a chance to have real capitalism? When do we get a chance to try real freedom? Now, we in the United States, we in Texas, we're, I mean, the last best holdout of the global tyranny that's gripping for various uh, phases. What are we going to do about it? Now, you can go vote harder. You can go support the Donald. You can go give money to you know guys that are red and that may get you some more time but ultimately it is we the people that have to do something it ultimately is we the people that need to make these people be held accountable we the people have every opportunity to remove them by simply not reelecting them we the people Unfortunately, we're always left with the option of the lesser of two evils. At some point, is it better to just allow the full evil so you can fight back? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you've got a bad Republican and you toss them on their backside and you get in a even worse Democrat, are you any better off? I mean, at least you know who the devil is then. And maybe at some point in the future, you can replace that devil. But do you even want to give them that foothold? Do you want to give them that opportunity? I mean, right here in my own home county, for various reasons, we've got a number of people going all in to replace Republicans. Now, am I happy with all those Republicans? No. Do I think they're great examples of conservative courage and liberty defenders? No. But are they also the biggest enemy? No. We have a legitimate Democrat, quote unquote, enemy sitting in HD 70. And yet I don't see near the traction, near the effort being put in to replacing that person HD 70. And if if you think that that isn't their beachhead, if you think that isn't how they're going to eventually move on flipping the whole county, you got another thing coming. Now, again. Not all Democrats are created the same, just like not all Republicans are created the same. But we're asleep at the switch here, right in my own backyard. We allow a number of people run around calling themselves good conservative Republicans, and there couldn't be any further from the truth. Yet we tolerate it. So let me ask you, how does this translate into what we're talking about today, right? How does this reference V for Vendetta? If you remember... It lists out a number of contradictions, not unlike what was done in 1984, right? 
Might I suggest to you that that inversion, that idea that telling you right is wrong and wrong is right, that good is bad and bad is good, it's all part of the same plan. It's all moving during or down the same direction. And it's up to we the people to see through it. It's up to we the people to take action. It's up to we the people to push back and do so effectively. One last thing now that I've gone a little long here. I've talked about, you know, November the 9th through the 12th, right? That's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There is going to be a, a conference. Ostensibly, we're going to talk about Texas. But everything that's going to go on in that conference is about Texas independence. How do we make Texas more independent? I have the argument that I've had both personally and publicly that I want to do everything I can to move in that direction. And if I fall short and I don't get de jour independence, I'm okay with that. Now, I know the TNM might disagree with me. I know the TNM has their own goals and I don't oppose them. I'm working alongside them. But along the way, if we can achieve de facto independence it, along the way, if we build up a resilient, strong community, if we build up the people in the state of Texas and create millions of new Texians and Tejanos that are on board with putting Texas first, I think that's far more important and far more effective long-term for fighting the good fight. If, if we were to succeed, hypothetically, in getting Texas independence du jour and happens six years from now, just hypothetically speaking, but we don't have a good cadre of Texians and Tejanos that are committed to the independent mindset and that actually have a culture that was built upon independence. It's only a short matter of time before those same people undermine and overtake the newly independent Texas. That's a concern. And that's actually one of the things I'm going to be talking about is how do we build a culture of independence in Texas? What, how do we get from here to there? I'm less, well, I shouldn't say I'm more concerned about having an independent culture than actually achieving du jour independence. If we could just build up the culture and force the hand to where Texas recognizes and uses its own sovereignty and pushes back and we achieve a de facto independence, that may even be a better option. Now, maybe that's heresy. I, I have been accused of being heretical a time or two on various political issues, but I'm here to tell you, if we can't make the difference now, the tyranny is only two or three steps away. The tyranny that we saw play out in millions of people's faces will return just of the last couple of years. The tyranny that is projected in V for Vendetta or hundreds of other novels and graphic novels or movies, it can and will happen. They're telling you what they're intending on doing. They're telling you on what they want out of us. They want us to all be little proles, to not question anything and just do what we're told. And I, for one, have a real difficult time with that. 
So I'm going to get you a few more episodes before now and the end of the week. And I'm looking forward to coming back next week and telling you all about what went on at the Texas conference. And you still have time to join us in Waco. Go to Texas, the Texas, Con, or sorry, Texas conference.com, or you can go to tnm.me and get the links there. There is a discount code by using my last name for what it's worth. You should invest the time. There's going to be a whole lot of other things going on there that are precursors to ever achieving independence. And with that, this has been According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.